Let's turn together now in God's word to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. First Thessalonians chapter 2. I'm only going to read one verse, but um, it should be sufficient tonight. First Thessalonians 2 verse 13. This is God's word. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Let's pray. Lord God, we believe. Help our unbelief. Help us receive your word. Help us hide it in our hearts. May it bear wonderful fruit for your glory and honor. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to begin this evening's sermon by reading, doing something of a survey tonight together, reading several passages that are found here in 1 Thessalonians, passages that either directly or indirectly speak to us about the ministry of the Word of God. If you listen carefully, and if you have a Bible to follow along with, I would encourage you to follow along as I read these passages. If you listen carefully, I think you'll perceive that this theme, the theme of the ministry of the Word of God, is a central theme in this letter, in Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica. So I'll read a few passages, and follow along if you have your Bibles. This one is 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 5. Paul wrote, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Later in that same chapter, verses 9 and 10, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. In chapter 2, he continued, Verse 4, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. In verse 9 of chapter 2, for you remember, brothers, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. Verse 12 of chapter 2, we exhorted 
each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Of course, here in our passage this evening, this theme of the ministry of the word that came to Thessalonica comes to something of a climax. As again, Paul writes, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. That's the climax of this theme. But the theme continues. This theme of the ministry of the word of God continues in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 3. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. And then verses 12 and 13 of chapter 3. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. In chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Verses 15 through 18 of chapter 4. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And then in chapter 5, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. That's verses 12 and 13 of chapter 5. Every chapter, there's something about the ministry of the word of God. As we are going to be reading and working through this letter, as we continue to work through this letter in this sermon series together, it would behoove us not to miss, to miss this forest for the trees. In other words, while we are paying careful attention to the instruction itself that we are receiving in this letter, instruction that is crucial for believing and living as we do between the times, that is, between Christ's first and second coming, as we eagerly await his return, as we are focusing upon the instruction itself, we would do well to take note of the centrality and the importance of the preaching of the word of God, the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ for our lives in these in-between times. Let me try to put it a little bit more pointedly. This evening, the ministry of the word, the preaching of the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
is the manner, is the way by which Christ himself is ministering to his church in this present age as the church awaits his return in glory. The ministry of the word of Christ is the way he ministers to us as we await his return in glory. Most scholars and students of the Bible recognize that 1 Thessalonians has as at the heart of it for its main theme the return of Jesus Christ and how believers are to live and conduct themselves in light of that return. But what might be overlooked at times and what I don't want us to overlook or give short shrift to is the crucial role of the means of grace and particularly the preaching of the word. How crucial that is for believers in this age as we await that return. Our passage in particular drives home the point that the ministry of the word is the ministry of Christ, the ministry of God to and among his people in this present age. And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Paul here simply states, he's not making a claim, he is simply stating the reality that when they heard Paul and his co-laborers Silas and Timothy, when they heard them preach, when they heard them come into town and begin heralding the kingdom of Jesus Christ, when they heard the proclamation of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, as they received the exhortations from Paul and Timothy and Silas, exhortations to live in such a way as to bring honor and glory to God as Christ is sure to return soon, they received that communication. They received that preaching, that heralding, that exhortation, that teaching, not as the word of men, but as the very word of God, which Paul says is what it really is. And it's important to note here, it's important to observe that as Paul states this, He's not merely talking about his own ministry of the word as an apostle. Understand, I mean, we might be more ready to accept that when Paul preached, his preaching as an apostle, being inspired by the Holy Spirit of the risen Christ, well, yes, when he preached, that was indeed the very word of God that people were hearing. We, we would be more ready to receive that. In other words, we might be tempted to think that only Paul's words or only those words of the apostles 
which were inspired of God and set down for our, our sakes in the Holy Scripture is the word of God and is to be received as such. But the rest, the preaching of the rest of the guys with Paul, the preaching of Silas, the preaching of Timothy, well, that's not the word of God. That's just men preaching. But that's decidedly not what Paul says here. Without at all denying his unique role as an apostle, and without at all blurring the distinction between a God-breathed apostolic and prophetic revelation and scripture, which Paul himself later clearly establishes in 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17, Paul nonetheless is speaking here not only about his personal ministry, but also about the ministry of men like Silas and Timothy. And he's saying here that when they also proclaimed the apostolic gospel of Jesus Christ, theirs also was a ministry of the word of God. Theirs also was a ministry of Christ. So Paul gives thanks here in our passage that the church received their preaching, their heralding, their exhorting, their instructions, as well as his. And he received those words, they received those words, not as the words of men, but as the very word of God. In other words, the Bible here teaches a very high view indeed of the ordained ministry of the word. It is the ordained ministry of the word that Paul has in view here, and not the general ministry of the word that believers share with one another. He does tell us to encourage one another as well with these words. What words? The words they heard from those who preached to them. But he's not talking about the general ministry of the word that we all have with one another. He's talking about the ordained ministry of the word. The church in Thessalonica heard and received the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ from those who were co-laboring with the apostle, those who labored in the word with the apostle. And it is their ministry of the word that Paul is specifically referring to here. As I said, this is a very high view indeed of the ordained ministry of the word. What Paul is saying here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is nothing less than this. The preaching of the word of God the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the preaching of the apostolic gospel is the word of God and is to be received as such. The church in Thessalonica recognized the preaching not only of Paul, but also of Silas and of Timothy as the word of God. They recognized that preaching as Christ himself speaking to them. 
in and through that preaching. And they received it as Christ speaking to them. They received it as the word of God coming to them. And having received it, they bore fruit for the glory of God. And for all of this, Paul says, I give thanks constantly to the Lord. Our confession of faith recognizes and has enshrined what Paul is saying here in our passage. For instance, when our confession speaks about how Christ mediates the blessings of the covenant to his people in this age, our confession says, under the gospel, when Christ's substance was exhibited, the ordinances in which this covenant is dispensed are the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, which, though fewer in number and administered with more simplicity and less outward glory, yet in them is held forth in more fullness, evidence, and spiritual efficacy to all nations, both Jews and Gentiles. And when it says more, more fullness, more efficacy, it's contrasting it with the old administration, with the sacrificial system, with the prophets that used to speak. The word of God. That was Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 7, verse, or paragraph 6. And our larger catechism instructs us in the same manner. It also recognizes what the apostle is saying here in our passage. A larger catechism asks the question, how is the word made effectual to salvation? And the answer, the spirit of God maketh the reading but especially the preaching of the word, an effectual means of enlightening, convincing, and humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ, of conforming them to his image and subduing them to his will, of strengthening, strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace and establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. That's... Question and answer 155 of the larger catechism. One of the older Reformed confessions, the second Helvetic confession, gets right to the point and says, the preaching of the word of God is the word of God. Chapter 1, second Helvetic confession. Now understand, Paul is not saying that the preaching of the word is the same as inspired scripture, which alone is God-breathed, infallible, and the final judge by which all else, even preaching, is to be judged. Paul is not making the claim that preaching is the canon by which the church itself is constituted and governed. But he is saying, that the preaching of the canon, the preaching of the word of God, which is inscribed for us in a permanent form in scripture, the preaching of the gospel, which is recorded for us, the apostolic gospel recorded for us in scripture, is to be received as the word of God. He is saying that by means of the preaching of the gospel, a ministry which he himself says is one which Christ 
entrusts to men. By means of that preaching, Christ is himself still speaking to his people in this age. And that the church is thus to receive that preaching as the word of Christ, which it is. It is by means of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the Holy Spirit is bringing the things of Christ to us and making them known. Christ has not left us orphans. Even those ages in the church when they did not have a Bible, but relied upon those who came to preach to them, it was apparent that Christ had not left his church orphans. Neither is he mute. He is with us to the end of the age, and he continues to speak to us. Not by dreams, not by new revelations, not by visions, and not even anymore by apostles and prophets, but by the preaching of the gospel, by the ordained ministry of the covenantal word of Christ set down for us now in Scripture. Silas and Timothy did not have even the New Testament to preach from. But they had the apostle whose proclamation of the fulfillment of the Old Testament in and through Christ was directing their own preaching and their own teaching. They were following him. They were preaching what he was preaching. They had, in other words, the apostolic tradition passed down to them. And we do as well. Now inscribed in scripture, ministers of the word today have the same apostolic teaching right here in the word of God, in scripture. And it is from this that we preach and proclaim the good news to you and exhort you to, to walk in a manner worthy of God. And Paul knows that the church in Thessalonica is proof that the preaching of the word of God is in fact the word of God. Because it, as Paul notes here, it is working. It is at work among those who believe in Thessalonica. God's word, whether inspired scripture or the proclamation of inspired scripture by those set apart to that ministry, is not a, re a word that returns empty, but it accomplishes that for which God purposed and sent it. As Isaiah wrote, for as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out of, from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And the ministry of Timothy and Silas was having that effect. God's word was going out not only from the Apostle Paul, but from them. And the, the proof is the fact that this church exists, is the fact that this church had been turning from idols to serve the living and true God, the fact that this church was seeking to live to the glory of God. The word that was being preached was at work in them. 
And let me ask you, what is ultimately the purpose of God's word going forth to us here in Thessalonians as we read it? What is what is the purpose? What is the aim of this proclamation of the word of the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only by Paul, but by other ordained men entrusted with that gospel? The purpose, especially as it's revealed here in 1 Thessalonians, is to prepare you and to prepare me, to prepare all of us to meet the Lord when he comes again in glory. Heed the pure and faithful preaching of the word of God because it is God's word. It is God speaking to you and it is effectual. It works in the hearts of those who believe. Amen. Let's pray. Glorious God, it is true. Many of us came to faith by the faithful ministry of the word. The faithful ministry of those who had been entrusted with the gospel and who proclaimed that gospel and taught that gospel and exhorted exhorted us, we hearing that word, we came to believe. We came to saving faith. The Holy Spirit worked in us, giving us new hearts. Truly, your word is powerful as that word is proclaimed. We pray, Lord God, that we would receive faithful ministry of the word of God as the word of God. And that it would be powerfully at work in each and every one of us. That it would continue to go forth into this world, calling sinners unto you in repentance and faith. And instructing believers as to how we ought to live. So that we may be ready to meet the Lord when he comes again. Help us, Lord God. And continue, as you have promised, to be with us and to minister to us by your word. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.